Hey, welcome to the Mostly Skateboarding Podcast. I'm your host, Temple Tonelli, and I'm joined this week by Patrick Kagongo and Jason from Frozen and Carbonite. On this episode, we'll be talking about Darius King and Alien Workshop, but first, Lucas Puig's new part for Adidas. It only took Lucas Puig 10 days and way less shirts to film a full part to announce the release of his new shoe with Adidas. Patrick, you spent some time in France. What vibe is Lucas putting out with this board shorts, no shirt look? So Lucas is based in Biarritz now. I think he's originally from Toulouse, but Biarritz is yeah. in the southwest of France. It's on the Basque coast. Uh, the nearest big French city is called Bayonne, not to be confused with Bayonne, New Jersey. Yo, shout and- out Bayonne, New Jersey. Yeah, exit 15. Shout out Jersey City Um, everywhere around there. Shout shout out the Pulaski Skyway. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And um, just over the border is San Sebastian in Spain, but it's all Basque country. And it's a big surf town now, but about 100 years ago, it was a big vacation place for European royalty. And the mayor's office, a lot of the, the main drag there is really kind of uh, ornate and beautiful looking. And actually, uh, my wife and I spent a few days there during our honeymoon in May of 2019. And most of the time that we were in Basque country, it rained. I mean, it rained in San Sebastian. We took the bus over, you know, just drove across the border, got to Biarritz. It was raining the entire time, but it was so beautiful and the food was so good. And it is unique because I'd never, um, I had lived in Nice and in Paris, and I'd never been to French Basque country. And it's so dope. And it is completely different. Uh, it's a whole different vibe. And, and Lucas Puig is definitely somebody who he exudes like it, he has, you know, he has a sort of essence of somebody who is he's not troubled by too much. And I think it's the fact that he's not rocking too many shirts. I think his, his choice of shorts is very, 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 very in line with the, the look for guys who are probably about 10 to 15 years older. Right. Like he definitely looks like an older man who's on vacation. You know, with yeah, the short like, shorts, uh, the beard. Yeah. By the way, how did how did Lucas get so jacked? Like, is he, it surfing? He a, Probably surfing. Yeah, I think it's this. It's the surfing. Um, I'd say the cigarettes definitely help. <laughs> <laughs> and also, because he had a knee injury a couple years ago, I think he had he yeah. tore his ACL. I think it may have been the second time, and so he was rehabbing a lot. And you can kind of tell. You can kind of tell that he's he's actually quite uh, delicate with his. His kickflips, but especially in a switch position, you can really tell that it, he's really put a lot of thought into his movement and his flick when he's skating switch. And he's just like now he's just super jacked. He like he looks he just looks at home. And we saw a glimpse of this earlier this year with the Jackie Biarritz edit that I think Free Skate Magazine put out. And it's a dope place, even when it's raining, it's dope. But the skating there is actually very fun. Yeah, it but, seems like a sick, sick town, sick place to uh, semi-retire to. Not to say that Lucas is semi-retired, but I, I feel like right. the pro skater life is is like a semi-retired life if you do it right. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He, he's um, yeah. Listen, Lucas has kind of entered like a day one territory. Yeah, where, where like he just skates spots like in his neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, but there happens to be like sick legend shit you know down the street i guess well that weird fidget spinner he was skating uh where he does the uh the the switch foot blunt yeah that's crazy listen and do shit like that when you're a 33 coming off a knee injury that's pretty sick like yeah he's i think he's almost at like uh like got on a skateboard territory like day one like krieger (laughs) those dudes yeah but he's he's it's a different thing it's like it is a very uniquely euro approach because he's obviously i think he's 
he's been with his girl for a minute. They just got married. They have a baby boy. Like he's showing a lot of dad life on his Instagram. You know, he's showing a lifestyle that honestly really only exists when you have universal health care and child care and, you know, a state that, you know, I don't know, gives a crap about its people, you know? Yeah, I mean, fuck, dude, you wake up, you, like, it's like a surf in the morning, skate in the evening. That's probably what he does. I'll bet, like, yeah. surf, like take a little nap around midday or whatever, wow. and he's, he's got it figured out or something. He's got something figured yeah. out. Yeah, but he's also super hardworking, too. Uh, th- the other yeah. thing is that Biarritz is a big surfing destination, so I think he's really kind of taken to that life there, too, because obviously he surfs a lot, and a lot of younger cats move to Biarritz for the entire summer, like very similar to any place in the U.S. where surfing, or anywhere in the world where surfing is big. You know, you move to Biarritz from anywhere in Europe if you're an EU citizen, you get a job at some restaurant, you know, you're, you know, you know serving drinks, you know, maybe doing some quick deliveries, something, whatever, whatever, and you're surfing and partying with your friends, and when we were there, we went to this restaurant, which was, uh, I think most of the folks who worked there were surfers, and it was raucous. I mean, it was pouring rain outside. The place was wall-to-wall people. I know this is quite traumatizing in, in COVID times, but it just seemed like the vibe, the energy was so, 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 so good. Uh, you know, it's the kind of place you wish, like, man, I wish it was, you know, 10 to 15 years younger so I could really, could really, really, really enjoy this at their level. Then, you know. We're just chilling. We're having some casual drinks, relaxing. You know, we're gonna get to bed early. Yeah, <laughs> he's Lucas is showing. Lucas is showing this another way. Also, I remember that Jenkins interview. He pointed out that he he's been taking care of his family. He takes care of. I think he still takes care of his mom. He's been taking care of his mom since he the first time he got a check. Wow. Oh damn. Yeah. So he's he's that dude. He's that dude. He's like that cousin of yours. Everybody looks at it just like, why can't you be more like Lucas? You know, <laughs> taking care of his mama. <laughs> but the shoe, the shoe. I mean, Jason, what do you think of the shoe? Yeah, listen, I tried to cop, as they say, like the pink version, like the Palace version in April when it first came out. I, uh, what do they say? You took an L. I took an L on on that. I did. I failed to cop. But uh, you yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it looks sick. Like uh, I like like the kind of semi translucent sole. I think it's kind of hard to tell, and like the little triangle hit on the heel. Mm-hmm. Looks pretty dope, so yeah, I would fuck with it. Templeton, copper not, copper um, drop. I, I don't know. I, I might make copper not a copper drop. I might, I might send an email. <laughs> you know, see if my people can, <laughs> can make it happen. Uh, I, I like blue shoes. <laughs> I, I feel like they they've got kind of like a soccer vibe, which I think yeah, is yeah. cool. In the in this uh, sneaker freaker interview. They said it was a combination between a fashion sneaker and a terrace sneaker. And I don't know what a terrace sneaker is, but I think oh, I probably so like it. Terrace, a terrace sneaker is a reference to terrace culture. Uh, I'm going to go deep, so shout out to all my football hooligans out there. So it used to be that before the late 1980s, you used to have terraces in soccer stadiums. So if you ever look at old European soccer footage, you see tons and tons of people basically standing on concrete terraces. Uh, so that's 19- like the nosebleeds. Yeah, exactly. They're, those right. are non-seater. Basically, you jam in, you're, you're jammed into the stadium at the turnstiles, and then you stand on concrete terraces the entire time. You do not sit, and you mostly sing. So it's terrace culture because in the late 70s, early 1980s, Liverpool was the dominant team in um, English first division soccer. 
now known as Premier League since 1992. And so their thing was because they were winning the you know, European championships, you know, their fans were going over and they were getting fresh, right? Like they were going in, in at the time, like a soccer hooligan was normally seen as, you know, a white dude with jeans and like an overcoat, uh, maybe shirt and uh, what are called braces or suspenders and some Doc Martens, right? Typical skinhead attire, right? Or, you know, kind of like any sort of workwear. Yeah, the Liverpoolians, you know, the Liverpool cats were going, and they were getting Lacoste, right? They were getting Fred Perry from home. They were going to France. They were getting Lacoste. They were getting into Louis Vuitton. They were getting into Sergio Tacchini, the the freshest track suits in the game. And they were coming back, and they were slipping past security at stadiums because you know these guys like, oh, these are just some fashionable young lads, right? right. So it became really really cool for teams when there was uh you know for teams where there was money, like in Scotland. In Scottish Premier League, I believe it was Aberdeen because of the of oil productions, because Scottish oil production came online. So you had a lot of young men who were getting, you know, stacking. They were they were getting bread during the week, and then on Saturdays and Sundays they're going to match day. You know, you spend all your money on some new trainers, whatever, and that became known as terrace culture. You're like, look at old pictures of Oasis, you see it, right? And Lucas has it. A lot of the Palace dudes have. It. 1985, uh, terrorist culture effectively comes to an end because of uh, the Heisel or the Hazel disaster. Uh, it was Liverpool, Juventus, European, uh, yeah, I think it was European Cup finals or European Championship finals. And there was uh, a big rush in the stadium and a bunch of fans got killed, right? It was, uh, it was a terrorist kind of deal. Same thing later in the 1980s with the uh, Hillsborough disaster, in which uh, 93 supporters uh, were all crushed to death in a stampede. So in the 1990s, you switched over to what's called all-seaters. You no longer had terraces. Everybody who's in the stadium has to, at some point, have a ticket that has a seat for their butt to go in, even if they stand the whole time. But that's where terrace culture comes from. All right. Well, I, I feel like the Oasis reference helps me place the look. And it, yeah, I'm down. Exactly. So like certain types of like Adidas specials, certain campuses, like that that's like a whole look a certain type of like uh you, honestly if you just watch any palace video that's their whole vibe that's their whole vibe is a terrace gotcha yeah i think the shoes look sick and yeah i'll probably send a little email see if i can get a pair yeah get you something yeah also scott johnston designed these and scott i think he had said in an earlier interview that actually no the same sneaker freaker interview that he really enjoys working with palace like with lev tenju and working with Lucas. And I think Lucas's thing is that he likes going for the old old silhouettes, you know, going for the silhouettes that were used for basically terrace classics in European, uh, you know, soccer, you know, soccer fashion. But then also like volleyball shoes. Like, I mean, Gino was the originator of this with the indoor soccer shoes. Uh, so props to him. Yeah, I think Lucas's first shoe was based on like some old racquetball shoe or some shit like that. Yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah. That was pretty like, nice. They, I feel like the Adidas archive is so deep with cool shit like i remember when silas silas baxter neil had his first pro model he there was like a clip of him going in the archives and he was looking at like like uh hiking hiking shoes and stuff to base his yeah that that's one advantage they have over nike because if if you think about it nike really only started in like the late 70s or whatever they had like like that one running shoe like like the cortez type shoe that might have had a couple other running shoes but uh, mm-hmm. Adidas, yeah, the waffle back. joint, the original waffle joint. Yeah, yeah, Adidas goes all the way back to whenever the fuck, 50s, 50s, 60s, shit. But uh, yeah, as far as the skating in this video goes, I kind of think it was better than his Hellas part. 
Which was sick, but it seemed like he was just kind of fucking around with some inward heel variations, like had an inward heel thing going on. Like it seems like he was going mm-hmm. harder. Seems like he was kind of going harder on ledges a little bit, which I love. Yeah, I feel like low it impact. was most. Yeah, it was low yes. impact, and it was mostly I would say like tasteful tech. You know, like a straight switch heel, straight switch kick flip. I, I like the line where he did, uh, I think it was like a switch backside 5-0, shove it, and then a switch frontside, shove it, backside nose grind. Like, just just like a little bit understated. I, I feel like the ender was a bit much. The switch tail, heel flip 270 body burial was like a bit much for my taste. But I'm, I don't know. That's probably what Lucas fans are, are after in, in a yeah. Lucas clip. Yeah, I mean... I liked it. I thought it was sick. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, this seems insane to say or conceptualize, but like, switch tail, switch to, wait, switch tail, switch to 70 heel flip out is like, we've seen it a bunch of times. You know what I mean? So, yeah, so, it just falls into, into, into like a class of, of like ledge tomfoolery that I'm not, not here for. Yeah, that was, that, I just wish I could skate like that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. That's, if you're a ledge ledge nerd, a ledge uh, ninja aficionado like like I am, then then you probably love it. But uh, yeah, because that was like PJ Lads like uh, bread and butter, like all those like ledge two seventy out tricks. Back yeah, in, uh, but this looks better. Wonderful, horrible. This looks better. Like PJ Lad, because um, I, I saw um, a clip of him recently on Instagram, um, and it was cool. But I guess you know what? I think Lucas's consistency. Yeah, you're right. It, he has this kind of thing like day one. He's going to continuously keep th- putting things out that are on his level. But he definitely has somebody who previously, up to now, up until he became a dad, was definitely getting in the van, definitely getting tricks. And the fact that he's getting tricks in Biarritz, which is not even... The southwest of France is soggy in the winter. It rains a lot. It can be, you know, it can be depressing at times, right? And the fact that he's getting clips, right? And looking like, oh, this is nothing. Like, this is like, he got that, that a good part, a good promo for a shoe in 10 days. I think what this does, it, like, on one end of the spectrum, right, Ishad puts out phenomenal, multiple dope parts a year that puts pressure on pros. And be like, hey, why could you be like Ishad? You know, he put out three amazing parts this year. What are you doing, right? And then Lucas is on the other end, right? He's not doing big rails, anything like that, but he's putting out something that is within his lane, that is good, right? And in a bunch of different avenues. So he had some stuff in that Jackie Biarritz, like the backside flip over the street gap in the rain, which was amazing, right? In the, uh, the Palace uh, Juventus uh, uh, collab jersey. And then, you know, he put something like this out just at the end of the summer, just to let you know, like, hey, I'm chilling. Like, I'm chilling. But at the same time, just like Ishad, consistently releasing footage. Like, you're thinking, if you're a pro, like, what's your excuse? How come you're not going and taking 10 days around your neighborhood or your little town and doing something? Like, again, Biarritz is tiny. The fact that he was getting stuff in his hometown. I feel like everybody should have to film a hometown part. You know, like, you got to just make it work in, you know, bumfuck Iowa or whatever. Yeah, well, I mean, that's kind of like Gilbert here. Like, pretty much all his parts are filmed, I would guesstimate, like, 50 to 70% here in Richmond. There's, let me tell you, there's not that many spots here. But but for him, like, he's able to skate, like, you know, crazy rails and shit. So, he makes yeah, it work. Yeah, that's the 10-day challenge. Every pro, challenge. every pro. And even, like. Every pro in the industry. He even made it so, like, other pros are coming here and 
filming, I get, I guess, like living here. Yeah, that's pretty wild. Which is sick as fuck. Like, good. Richmond is good. Like I, I've like traveled to Richmond to skate, and it. I mean, you know, it's good for a day trip, uh, at least. Richmond, yeah. was always, Richmond was always hot for uh, folks in the DMV because it was what two and a half hours south of DC. You know, about three hours south of Baltimore, you could get down there. You yeah. always had friends. It was definitely cheaper than the capital or Baltimore. You could hang out. Yeah, that's that's the one advantage it has. The cost of living is still is still pretty cheap, definitely compared to DC. But yeah, I guess if you're into the if you're into the crusty type of skating, like uh, you can make some shit happen for sure. But as far as ledges, they're just like Sun Trust. Just one spot that no one really skates anymore. That was in a bunch of old videos. The, the fucking, um, what the fuck is it? I'm not going to say the streak, so I'm going to blow it up. But yeah, this one spot. <laughs> anyway, if you're if you're not like a ledge, if you're a ledge, low impact type of guy, it's pretty, it's a little challenging. Uh, yeah, I'll probably agree Yeah, you know, <laughs> I mean, would you say that Richmond is the kind of place where, I mean, I think about cities like Austin and Portland, which up until the tech, until, until the tech boom, were the kind of places where you could just move, you could get a, you could just get a job, coffee shop, you know, gigging if you're a musician, just get a whatever job and either skate or play music or do whatever your creative pastime is. And there are fewer and fewer big cities like that in America because you can't just roll up to Austin or Portland anymore. You definitely can't. No, hell no. You can't do that in L.A. or New York. I haven't been able to do that unless you're really willing to basically just try to do whatever it takes to eke out a living. But like Richmond, you can roll up, right? Yeah, like, I mean, before, yeah, I know before uh, the pandemic and shit, dudes were just like, well, I, like, deliver pizza two nights a week, and they could, you know what I mean, pay rent and shit off of that, and then, like, skate the other times. So, yeah, I mean, it's kind of it's kind of like the poor man's Austin, you know what I mean? There was, a, there was a good music scene, a lot of girls with leg tattoos and shit. So, yeah, I mean, I, before yeah, the pandemic, like, it was definitely like that. Templeton, you're in Portland, right? Yes, I am, or right outside of Portland. In the I mean, it's it's Portland, Portland sure. metro area. Sure. I mean, do you think that, like the temperature? Speaking strictly skate wise, I do like. Do you feel like the temperature has changed for Portland? Like, because especially like I see a lot more footage out of Portland in the last five, yeah, like five or six years than say when I was younger. Before, yeah, in like the nineties, early two thousands, it was like Burnside, Burnside, Burnside. That's the only thing I knew about Portland. I never saw street footage from there. Yeah, I think Portland is kind of like a. A retirement community for pro skaters or like skate industry folks because we've got adidas here we've got nike here and then like a bunch of skate parks which mostly all are terrible um, <laughs> and like some <laughs> decent street stuff i mean these are the parks that like the park builders learned how to build skate parks on you know that like mm. there there's some real bad skate parks here there's also bad? some real bad talking? new skate parks um but we won't get into that <laughs> on air shots fired shots yeah you fired, also got speak, speaking of like industry folk you also got the cat's paw saloon you ever been there no uh, what's that mikey's That's... uh like mikey Reyes like opened a bar called the cat's paw oh wow has anybody interviewed him no i when i was doing the old podcast i, I thought about reaching out to him because i've got friends who know him because from cat's paw but i just the, you know, part of the reason that changed uh, the podcast is I just don't really like reaching out to people yeah. and talking to strangers. So that never happened. Yeah, that, man. Like, if there was anybody who needs to, who needs to, you know, tell some stories about 
early to mid '90s San Francisco, he would be the dude to do it. Now that Phelps is no longer with us, oh yeah, dude, for sure. <laughs> like uh, it was like the Wild West back then. Like, yeah, it's like, it's like oh, yeah, like a lawless fucking city. Yeah, but like the thing is, like back to Adidas, right? Like mm. Adidas and Nike have taken such, you know, they their formalized entries into skateboarding happened within the same time frame. Nike took a couple of attempts. Adidas had a certain amount of clout coming in because they, you know, people are always going to be skating shell toes and campuses and a lot of other classic silhouettes that have never uh, fallen out of production. But, you know, the thing about Adidas is that you have this new cast of skaters like uh, Buzenitz, you have Lucas, you have a few others who are pushing it into some interesting territory because they're, they're building upon uh, the archives and they're making shoes that are great to chill in, but also they look and feel different for skating. Whereas, like, I, I mean, like, there's a, a, like, Adidas definitely does drops, but for Nike, Nike is such a, a cornerstone of sneakerhead and streetwear and release culture. Like, when was the last time that, I mean, people obviously tried to get this shoe, you know, they, they got in queue and then they missed it, but, you know, for Nike, that's a much more frequent occurrence. And it's weird. Like, it almost feels like it kind of, um, I feel like that that um, that hype beast aspect of of Nike's uh, Nike's releases kind of undermines you know it undermines their presence in skating because it's supposed to be about availability right you want to cop these shoes it was never back in the day with S you could get the South twenty threes of the Muska like it was going to cost you money but you could get the shoes yeah you could go through however many you needed to you know what I mean I mean I've we we I mean I've said this time and again on this podcast like. It would be tight if Nike could just make the staples and just make them readily available all the time, like like black and white blazers, black and white dunk look, like black and white dunk mids, like readily available all the time. Like the way it is, the way it is now, they do like the orange label shit a little bit, but mm-hmm. it's like to get like some dunks, you have to like apply for a mortgage and like go you know, go through like fifteen step process. You know what I mean with the, with the locals. Shout out all the locals that do all the jobs by the way, but you know what I mean. It's like a bit much. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it puts it's an undue tax on on skate shops because then they all of a sudden, you know, what skate shop owner wants to deal with the whole hype beast culture? Because that is, you know, it's aggravating uh, kids, honestly, and people can just be ungrateful and straight up mean. And ultimately, people buy the, you know, like you buy the shoes at retail and then like these Grateful Dead joints that came out and people went and were flipping them for like, 14, 1500, 2000, whatever, just so that, you know, down the line, you know, they can have money so they can buy the next thing that comes on. And that's, uh, yeah, nah. no shit, huh? <laughs> yeah, I think the shops Four- get to, they, they're not just selling it at retail. I think that they make, make a little extra money on like lotteries and like, you know, like you got to buy a certain amount of stuff to get some like lottery ticket entries and stuff like that. So they're not like losing out on as much money as it feels um from what mm. i've heard from people um who run shops but yeah it seems it's it's interesting how nike and adidas have such different approaches to skateboarding like i feel like adidas is a little more nonchalant and nike is like they're like we gotta win <laughs> and but why and, you know, it feels that way <laughs> we're number one we're number one yeah that, that competitive streak is weird i mean like templeton like do you find that do you find that the temperature of Portland has changed because of the presence of Nike and Adidas? 
Because I don't think there's any place in Southern California where you had more than one shoe company, you know? Oh, I, I have no idea. I mean, they, like, I haven't lived here long enough for that. And I mean, Nike and Adidas have both been based here for a really long time. For mm-hmm. Adidas, it's just their, like, North American headquarters. You know, they're, the big yeah. mothership is still in Germany somewhere. I guess now yeah. that, like, it's known, like, it's like, this is, like, a place where people gravitate to. Like, is Carol Foster still live out there, or is he in Denver now? I, I'm pretty sure he still lives out here, like, officially, but he's he's been in Colorado for, I don't know, a few weeks, at least. And that COVID relief, you know? Yeah, exactly. Everybody's working from home, and they're like, well, I can, I can work from wherever I want. Yeah. Yeah, speaking yeah. of uh, people gravitating to Portland, wasn't Burnside in some kind of jeopardy? Because of uh, development slash gentrification over there by the bridge, like without. Uh, a- I, I think the trouble more is well, they built a big, big building like right next to Burnside. Yeah, I think affected a little bit of um, like the expansion out under the bridge, mm-hmm. and also like shook the ground a little bit. There was some cracking in the concrete, but there. Um, they're having to do like repairs to the Burnside Bridge, like the actual bridge. Yeah, uh, that might affect the skate park. So there, mm-hmm. there's been some like petitions going around and stuff. Right. Gotcha. So we'll we'll see what happens there. I'm not too worried about it one way or the other. Mm. Wait, I thought you were a big uh, Burnside guy. I thought you were there every week. <laughs> I heard you like back deed like the vert wall. <laughs> yeah, that's my warm up. <laughs> That's what, yeah, that's what I thought. Man. God, that spot seems so intimidating. Also, you know what? Like, one thing that Adidas does very well is that a lot of those classic, like, again, those classic silhouettes are always available. You can always just go get some superstars or some campuses. You just grab some, you're good to go. You just go to Foot Locker and get Oh, yeah. Like, does, does SB, like, does Nike SB have any joints that are, I don't, I don't know, man. Like, with, like, the kids and whatnot, like, the young, young folk, like, for a <laughs> while, been. yeah, for for a while, a bunch like shell toes were kind of kind of hot or whatever. But now it's like van. Everyone wears vans, van like vans all the time. Like seventy five percent of people, including including girls and stuff, it's like everyone wears vans. Like Nike is like not even there. You know what I mean? Nike has very little juice with like based on what I see as like a person who works with. Oh, man. hope somebody from Nike marketing is listening to this podcast. <laughs> Get your game up, yo. Vans is good. Well, but Vans also has very um, done a lot in um, in marketing to women. That's another. Oh, that's a really. That's another really, yeah. really big one. Um, you're a fool. You're basically leaving money on the table if you're going to leave half of the world's population. Yeah, you know? for real. Yeah. Half when was the last time you saw a girl like at the gym in in some dunks or whatever? Like, <laughs> I mean, those aren't gym shoes. Come on. Oh no, 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 no. I see girls. Mad girls at the gym wear vans, like because they're flat, like they have a flat sole, so they're good for like uh deadlifting and doing squats and stuff. Interesting, yo, vans, yeah. vans with the series, like with the gym crossover appeal. Yo, Nike, you, you guys are on, y'all are on yeah. red alert, get it together. <laughs> yeah, definitely see, even do, yeah, girls and dudes, like at the gym, a lot of them wear vans for sure. Yeah, it's that's like that. Like California, I think is split fifty-fifty in terms of chillers. It's 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 Converse. It's uh it's either Chuck Taylors or Vans old schools or some slip-ons or the checkerboard slip-ons, something like that. I mean, here it's here in in Portland, it's Nike or Adidas almost mm. always. You know, it's like company town. Everybody knows company somebody town. can get like a little bit of a discount or like some samples or whatever. You know, it's it's like in the air. 
Oh, you know what's interesting too is I wonder if because like Scott Scott Johnson was at Lakai at the same time as Lucas was, and I wonder if he'd ever worked with Lucas on a shoe on Lakai. Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. Yeah. Did did Lucas ever have a Lakai pro model or? I know there was like the Roland know. stuff. Lucas, I don't think so. Maybe at least a colorway. I, I might be misremembering it, but. I remember it was like a big, it was a big to do when uh, he went to Adidas, but it, it, it seemed so natural. Same thing with Palace. It was like that big question mark about whether or not he was, where was he going to go like when, um, when Cliche, Cliche closed up shop. I was just looking through there, that book of theirs um, that I bought while I was on my honeymoon from a skate shop in, in, in Porto. And the, the photos are amazing. It just looks like they had so much fun. Like European skating is hurting a little bit without Cliche. They were, amongst the first to really do it big internationally yeah i i don't know i feel like um i feel like cliche served its purpose and uh you know now there's companies like sour and uh antis who else there's lot there's lots of euro brands i feel Heart. like europe has never been uh never been stronger and i Wait. think um lucas i don't think has any american sponsor which i think is is pretty cool no. wait on delay bearings though <laughs> yeah on delay bearings is do wait do you pronounce that company Jart or Hart? I think it's I would have Jart. Said Yart. <laughs> Yart? I think someone said Hart or Yart. I thought, I, it was, to, I thought it was Jart for the longest time. I was like, that sounds fucking stupid. But yeah, yeah I mean, Patrick, you under you're a French speaker. How would I you pronounce were, it? I thought they were Spanish though. Hmm. I thought their 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 primary claim to fame was that they were uh, Bastien Salabonzi's um, transition company. Like when he was living back in Europe and raising his kids and uh, just doing his thing over there before he started doing Street League and then got on Primitive out here. I don't know. I mean, honestly, like a name is everything. A name that can be misinterpreted because I think some people here were like, Jart, is that some kind of fart? And it became a <laughs> somebody, somebody said that in an interview and it stuck. It's like, having right. a, it's like having a shitty nickname. If you're not careful, it's something that that's the first thing that everyone's going to it's going to come to come into their mind. When they think about you, I think it's hard, but it, they always have some like Euro, some like Euro rippers on there, some like Macadus or whatever. Yeah, I mean they're they're basically like the European dark star. Yeah, that's fair. Wow, that's a fair assessment. Low key slander or praise? <laughs> uh, it's a bit slanderous, I guess. Wow. I mean the dudes are good, but it's like you don't really want it. Like you're not following the accounts, you know. You're not excited <laughs> for the video. Like you, you watch the viral clip and you're like, huh, wow, somebody did that. It's impressive. <laughs> wow. On to the next. Wow. Wow. And to think, like 20 years ago, Dark Star, dang. Actually, no, they were never cool. No. <laughs> no they were never. But I guess that wasn't the point. They were selling, they were selling boards, and yeah, I think yeah. At, the, at the time it was all that mattered. Dark Star, they had, yeah, man, they had that section in like Ronnie Day One Two with. The immigrant song or whatever that was pretty tight. Was that was that? Oh yeah, the, the, wasn't that already used in uh, Plan B Revolution for Jeremy Ray? I uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy Ray's part one was immigrant song. His part two was uh, was Cashmere. But Plan B didn't exist at the time, so did it really matter? No. Well, it was already used, so yeah, it did matter. You can't. And that's you can't use a song that's already been used, especially yeah, especially in that. You, you, you uh, can't you can't era. even you can't even invoke the four one one rule. <laughs> wow, 
It was wait, a, wait, 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 what's the 411 rule? I think it's like, Temple, Nate, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I think it's like if a song was used in a 411, you can use it or something if it was just used in like a, uh, like a profile or something. I don't, I don't know that I've heard that Mike, rule. We'll have to consult Mike. I think Mike, I've heard Mike made before. We'll have to consult him um, next episode. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow-up. Well, from Biarritz to Dayton, Ohio, this week, Alien Workshop welcomed Darius King into the sect by way of the traditional welcome video. Visually and sonically, it felt like an alien video with motifs like film, analog graphics, and the EPA hubba. Jason, how do you think Darius King fits with the Alien Workshop? Yeah, listen, like the kid's obviously like a Stone Cold Ripper. All the dudes on the team are either rippers or stone cold rippers like that joey Guevara kid like the frankie spears kid rips yage yeah that brandon Nguyen kid but it's kind of like he rips but he's not like transcendent you know and if you got on alien it was in the day you had to be like either transcendent or like semi-legendary like ave and dill like when ave and dill got on they were already like okay these dudes have been like doing it for a while you know like i thought it was sick like that trick on the EPA hubba, that like alley grind or whatever, was pretty sick. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about the New Alien. I think they're either like a second or third tier war brand somewhere in there. I don't know. Yeah, their star has bold... fallen for sure. That's a bold statement. You imagine? Well, not, I mean, at least second tier. They're not first tier. The jump, new... jump in the DeLorean. <laughs> jump in the DeLorean and go back to the the days of photosynthesis and you know run up on someone and say like, yo, in twenty years time. Alien Workshop is going to be a second or third tier brand. Oh yeah, well when they when they ended it, they were first tier. When, when Gill and Jake Johnson hashtag Jake Johnson were on, they were first tier. But the new the new version is at least second tier and maybe third tier. Yeah, it, it's like their their star has definitely fallen. I I think it's really tough to bring a brand back from the dead. At least oh, yeah. the, at least a lot of the, or some of the original creatives are still involved. Uh, I think that's kind of important and that that like there's like a through line, you know, it's not like a zombie company like blind or something. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, a company where like the, the founder is gone and it's just like like a shell of its former self continuing yeah, yeah, to yeah. make boards yeah, and no, graphics, no, I, you know, are uninspired. Yeah, I liked it. I like the part, but there was a couple things that stood out, right? Um, so first of all, he rocket flips some of his heel flips and kick flips, which I kind of like. You almost feel like in some other parts, somebody would tell him, like, ah, you caught that kind of funny, but it looks cool. Um, the music was deceptive because at the very, very beginning, when you transition away from the team intro to his part, you hear uh, a recording from a numbers station, right, which was used during the Cold War for transmitting coded messages from... Uh, East Germany to spies who were listening in a certain frequency. Because I thought that was going to be the beginning of a stereo lab song called Pause. Um, the music that they chose was not good. And it's on that, you know, like a lot of younger cats, when they will post an Instagram clip, it, the audio will be blown out. It sounds like that, even at like a normal, respectable yeah. volume. I mean, yeah, yeah, listen, I don't really care that much about songs, especially in this day and age. You know what I mean with uh, rights and everything, but yeah, this was. I think the music was so bad, like it kind of detracted from his part. I mean, you could have yeah. found something. Dude is from Memphis. They should have used Three Six Mafia. They could use like a like a like a you know early what like a mid nineties like 
yeah, like mid '90s, like mixtape cut from three six. You know? Yeah, I mean, or even like some like rights. You know what I mean? Some like public domain type shit would be or better. Some jazz if, like like some jazz like Lucas's part that we just uh, we just rapped about. Yeah, I'm, I mean, who said that? I think Gino said like music is fifty percent of the part. Like, yeah, it plays a big part. Yeah, it plays it's in the overall shit. Like, and if if I don't even know what that was like. If you're into that, listen, I'm pretty old or whatever, but like if you're into that obscure type of music, like God bless you. <laughs> like, is it like yeah. if you chill out and listen to uh, whatever that was, like Whale and Wasp or whatever, Whales and Wasps? I forget what it was in the credits, but. Eh, hell yeah. no, no. Like, <laughs> even my friends who listen to straight up noise, right? Like, I've been buying noise, you know, CDRs and cassettes since the late 90s, early 2000s. Yeah. Even this, like, come on. Like, it's. It's abrasive, but it's not abrasive to the point where it's pushing you, you know, to the outer limits, right? Where it kind of throws you into a trance. It's just loud and it's blown out and it kind of, it, it frustrates you, right? Like, but visually, right? Like y'all were saying, like, it feels, it, it matches the previous sonic and visual aesthetic of, of Alien, right? And yeah. it's kind of weird. Like, it, it's, 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 um... What is it, like the, the seven stages of grief? I mean, have I really come into acceptance that Alien Workshop will never be what it was in 1997, 1998? I think, I think we have to all come to that realization. It's a different company. Yeah, yeah. like, oh, along those lines, what do y'all think of, like, at the beginning, like, them using, like, old seagull footage and, like, a snippet of, like, the photosynthesis intro? I, I think it was fine. It was, like, a nod to to the history and I, I think it's impressive that alien has kept such a strong visual identity in their videos even through a bunch of different people you know behind the edit bay yeah, yeah. you know from like gns footage all the way to this one like there's there's been consistency you know like i always kind of think of alien workshops vibe as like joe castrucci's but it's it's really mm-hmm. alien workshops like you know the, the um the cinematographer project piece, which was really good, you know, the last great Alien Workshop. Oh yeah, video yeah, very, of a classic era. Yeah, yeah. And and that was um, Joe Castrucci wasn't involved in that. That was Benny um, something or other who does FA and hockey stuff now. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, like they've had they've had a very mature visual identity, honestly, since day one. What's interesting though is that. I don't think a company like this could work today. And if it was, it was going to be, it would have to be something like quasi, right? Because like Alien Workshop's whole initial vibe was kind of aliens, conspiracy theory, and that interview, that Chrome Ball incident interview with, with Carter, where he talks about some of his health problems and the financial issues with the company. You know, you really get a window into the fact that like this was not, or back then, that whole, that, that shtick was, that was not an act. That was, they were ride or die on some doomsday prepper, um, keep your third eye open, decalcify your yeah, pineal gland I mean, type, listen, type business. They, they were really trailblazers with all the conspiracy theory shit. I mean, listen, let, let, let's give them their, uh, their flowers, so to speak. Because like now like it's like everywhere you look, there's some fucking conspiracy theory. But these guys... They were on that shit. Oh, it's been normalized. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. Cons- oh. it's, been, it's been normalized. Dangerously so, especially. Oh, within, way the uh, fuck dangerously. Damn. That, then it was, I mean, it was almost like a Gen X. It was like a kind of like a Gen X in joke 
Whereas yeah. now, you know, <laughs> it, it has the potential to tip the political scales. You know, you have, yeah, you know, like, you, you see it on the evening news. No, and there's, I guess, uh, well, I'm not, I'm not big a uh, political guy, but I think there, there's like people who are running for Congress or that are in Congress that subscribe to certain conspiracy theories. You know what I mean? Like it's fucking yeah, crazy. which we, which we will not name, but I no, will, not, I will. No. Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that road. But yeah, I will say this though: what is what is dangerous about that is, um, like, looking back on it, you kind of have to wonder: like, could you replicate that kind of like? uh, Could any skate company replicate that kind of dance with controversy that companies did so freely in the 1990s? Whether it's your board graphics or your the stuff that you're putting out, the things that you're putting in your video. Not to say that companies are playing it 100% safe, but I mean, just like talking about Dwindle or Alien with conspiracy theory, folks were really like, they were pushing the envelope about what was uh, acceptable or even tasteful, whatever. Yeah, I feel like we're just in too different of a world these days, which I I, I like, you know, I, I like progression. I think that, um, you know, if things stay the same, it's stagnant and churn is good. So yeah, I, I feel like skate companies are pushing the boundaries in different ways now. Mm. So what is it about Quasi, right? Which is like a bunch of the cats who were formerly on Workshop or Habitat. Like, what is it about them that makes it almost feel like they do Workshop better than the Workshop? No knock on the Workshop. Yeah, I think it's like they took the alien DNA, spliced the DNA, and came up with this new thing. And yeah, it, it feels like the evolution of alien is quasi and not the new alien yeah i mean what's who's the uh who's the guy that does quasi like what's like the chat hours yeah was was he like the team manager at alien or something or he was, was something at, uh, yeah yeah but yeah quasi sick because like it's kind of like alien but they have different different like graphic motifs and shit it's yeah. pretty sick how long wait how long has darius been getting flow or been in like the alien orbit it, it's at least seven years. I, I, Damn. His name sounded familiar to me, so I, I did a little digging, and I had linked to one of his videos seven years ago. Um, and and he, was, he was riding Habitat and Alien boards. And they didn't put him on the team? I mean, tumultuous times. Seven, seven, Alien Workshop seven years ago was, um, yeah, on uh, rough seas. Oh, yeah. I mean... I've talked to a couple of people who were kind of in the know or had worked there, and they all said that like, it was very confusing because of like that shift in ownership. That uh, was it, Burton that bought it, then uh, uh, Deerdeck bought it back, and like people clown Deerdeck, and yet he was one of the people who worked the hardest to keep the brand going and you know try to hold everything together. And he's you know he yeah, I mean he's still he's still counting that MTV money. He's still that man has found his lane and is sticking to it, and it's salute to him. But yeah, shout out to Deerdick. Deerdick, Deerdick. I mean, like, he's a household name. He's a household name. I mean, he must be pumped because it's just like, oh dang, nobody mispronounces my name anymore. This is tight. But yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, like there was like a period where it was. You have to wonder if um, like when Dylan and Ave left, that they left because you know there was an understanding that financially things weren't so tight. I mean. Or they had some questions because, you know, didn't that happen with Guy Mariano and Eric Costin when they dipped out from Tap? There was some concern about, you know, the the venture capital company that said, well, we're coming in and we're going to make some changes around here and your friends can't work in the warehouse. 
yeah, I mean, great time to split, great motivation to start something new and, uh, yeah, make a better version of the thing that you want to do. Damn, yeah. I, I, when Dylan Abe left, that was pretty, uh, that was a pretty big turning point in the industry. Yeah, I mean, that was also like the nail in the coffin for aliens. Yeah. You know, it was like just a big vote of no confidence. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow. They, uh, Damn, that's, that's well put. Wasn't Colin McKay on the team for a bit? Yeah. Yeah, there have been some like not so great uh, people on I Alien. Think... You know, Mikey Taylor was on after had, like the. We, we, we won't talk about him. We won't. <laughs> Dude, who's like, uh, he's like uh, one of those cats on uh, his late night infomercials. Like, do you want to make more money? Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that's a whole. Take an ice pack, uh, bro. <laughs> his whole, old multi level marketing lifestyle. Rabbit the rabbit hole to go down <laughs> Mikey but, Taylor yeah like 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 I remember reading an interview with Ave uh, it was again the chrome ball joint where he had said that there was like they were feeling iffy about Barra and like Barra coming along with Heath Kirchart because they're like we definitely wanted Heath we were kind of iffy about Barra Dill and Barra definitely butted heads in the van and that might be something that had been from back in the day <laughs> even though they were not on 101 at the same time but like that was always a thing like Barra and Heath always were like they went together. They were foundation. Wait, was it Birdhouse Foundation, Birdhouse, and then Workshop? Right. Yep. I don't know. I mean, that just might be one of those things. Like you know, we look out for each other kind of deal. But um, yeah, yeah like they're good friends. Like also, I I think at the time Barra wasn't who he is now. It, like I was actually on a trip with Barra and Heath Kirchart right when they got on like it was a, a trip to alien workshop like i flew out to ohio to meet up with that tour so like i i was i was there uh, did you go to the uh the epa hubbas we did yeah like you know if you go to cincinnati you got to go pay pay your respects yeah yeah, yeah. Are, they, are they let me ask you this are they smaller or bigger in real life than they appear on video uh we didn't skate them but they to me, they seemed like how they appear in the video, like lower than a handrail. Yeah, yeah. Like, like kind of perfect skate park hubbo size. Right, right. But it's in the street. Mm. It's pretty tight quarters. There's like a planter at the bottom of the, the right, steps. Right. So it's it's like, it's tight. But it, the spot looks amazing. I think Heath and Barra were just yeah. kind of like, this isn't a, a spot for us. <laughs> it's not big enough or... Is a shame, hard enough or whatever. Yeah, it's not really. It's not really at Heath's level of like insane terrain, right? Or danger. I yeah, guess. makes sense. I don't know. And then, and then, like maybe there was also kind of an issue of like the team just got too big, in which and so you were gonna have a clash of egos because people skated differently, they kept different schedules. I mean, Dill talked about it in the whole Kalis epically later, like upriver, even like completely. Misuse the term, but up he river. got what he was getting at. <laughs> that, um, yeah, the whole upriver down. Like it, it wasn't gonna, it wasn't gonna work in the long term. Yeah, the upriver like, downriver thing. Up like, river. It became shit? became like a, a slap message board meme for. Uh, <laughs> that's probably Where still going. Good. Yeah, I always thought that Dill thing was funny because it it sounded like it, Dill was kind of making it out like he was the one who was the skate rat, but I feel like. You know, Kalis and others were the skate rats, and Dill was the one who was. Um, they were just, they were just like than, uh, different trajectories. I mean, Kalis is still out there. 
Kalis is still out there getting clips and doing his thing. It's just like, again, it might have been one of those, maybe the team got a little bit too big and personalities were a little too different and there was something about that that wasn't going to work. Like, Because Arto was on there for like a hot second, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Forgot about that. Which was kind of stunning. Like, dang, really? And yeah, that made remember. no sense. I, I, I kind of can't remember. But you know what? It was, I guess at the time, it was something to do. But it's kind of weird because the workshop had such a long trajectory that, you know, like this probably like a generation of kids. There's a generation of kids now who, you know, like there was always like that period where you discovered memory screen, right? And to an extent, time code. And those, you know, visually, they seem the same. But the thing is, like, skating wise, it's not the same company. With photosynthesis and the trade show loops and the feedback part and the four in one industry section, that that late 90s boom running up to photosynthesis, I think that's where that's where like they really stepped up to being like a first class company with top flight pros. Cause like time code, I think the complaint from John Drake was that it was it was, you know, him and a, and Deerdeck had a bunch of footage, but they never wanted to use it. And it was like they wanted to do like a Tim and Henry style thing. And there were a bunch of cats who didn't film and like Bo Turner and uh, Scott Conklin's footage got stolen when the camera that they were filming on got stolen. And there was just like everything that could go wrong went wrong. And there was something about the workshop didn't, uh, you know, something, 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 yeah, like something was just something clicked in the late 90s when they got that that particular lineup together. And, you know, that's when they cemented their position as being like big time. Yeah, oh, yeah, I think that's right. And I think that they they ran that. And I feel like when when companies get too big, they get into like a growth and profit mindset instead of a like creative mindset. And they're just like, okay, we need to like, add like some more top level pros like Arto, who doesn't really make sense other than like, some kind of like pencil pusher, like this guy, he's got like, this many followers or what I don't think followers was a thing at that point. But you know, He's got some kind of stats that make him attractive on paper that, you know, doesn't account for the fit and the vibe. Yeah. Also, the Habitat shoes was a mistake. I mean, the amount of work that goes into making a shoe company, it, they just shouldn't have done it. They would have been better off really dedicating time to doing a third board brand, like going I mean, hard in the paint Seek. and Seek. Yeah, no, nobody Seek cared. Was, they should have never deaded Seek. They should have kept Seek. Seek was the shit. Yeah. It would have been. Go, like, it I on, think that would have worked. Can they go on? If, I mean, they, those like silver, those like silver flake graphics were kind of weird, but the whole vibe of like we're like the Euro Workshop or whatever that was so sick. Yeah, it just you know what I, I think maybe they 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 pulled the plug too soon, right? They're like, oh, it didn't because if you market something well and you like you you put out the right you know you like at the time if you put out the right video could have made that joint work, but. Yeah. Wait, Colin McKay, Colin McKay was on Seek, I think. Okay, okay. Yeah, Danny Way was on Alien. Danny Way was, yeah, that's another thing, like, just out, out of, yeah, season, like, out of left field. Yeah, yeah I, I think those are just, like, uh, acquisitions made out of, like, maybe an availability of cash and, like, some fandom for those dudes and not a regard for, you know, the company as a whole and how they fit. Yeah, yeah. that, that. That felt like round hole, square peg. And it was like, I think it was smart that like at the time we didn't know what it was going to turn up to be. But like when it was announced that they were going to, Colin and uh, Danny were going to resurrect plan B, that was definitely like the hype was real. People were excited about it and rightfully so until 
things didn't quite pan out the way that they should have. No, yeah. yeah. Came out with that that like super future promo with like the Iron Maiden song. Like I was psyched on that dude. But now Plan B, like yeah. I mean, you could safe to say that Plan B is like a second tier company too, if not third tier. Damn. Yeah, I mean they're a bit of a. Uh, I was gonna say they're a bit of a joke. I guess. Yeah. I just did. Yeah, I mean, like, who's Chris Cole? Is Chris Cole still on there? I don't know. Is nah, the, I heard. Nah, he's back on Chris zero. Back, back on zero. On zero. Damn, dude. <laughs> zero will come back. The ham, the hammer era, the return of the hammer era is gonna be upon us. Yeah. So. Well, yeah, like that's the nostalgia cycle. Like right now, it's like oh, 90s, blah blah blah. Yeah. No slide, no grinds in a couple years like the hammer shit will be back and yeah you know, jamie jt will be ready yeah i got my i got my copy of number of the beast and live after death you know somewhere in time i got my i got, I got my I got my maiden tapes ready to go yeah yo live after death with the um real quick with like the dueling guitar solos one like on the you gotta listen to live after death with headphones because like one side is one guitarist the other side is other guitarist it's sick dude live, live after death is pretty rad One of yeah the strap on the head shout out to you'll be stoked <laughs> put on the maiden which shout brings to us to the Max. end of our show where we talk about what we're stoked on patrick what are you stoked on this week all right word uh before i talk about what i'm stoked on i want to because it's the eve of rosh hashanah uh lashana tova to uh all the members of the tribe uh or if you're like me tribe affiliated my wife is jewish uh, and laws are coming you, over sir. Yeah, hey, yeah, what's up, man? What's up? Yeah, I, I, I'm hoping that y'all are going to use this new year to reflect. Um, I will give $100 to whoever can play Trick Daddy Shut Up on the Shafar, right? So, word. With that, this is what I'm stoked on. I'm stoked that Ray Barbie is on Crooked. Big round of applause for that. I'm stoked on those uh, Last Resort AB shoes that are about to come out. Pontus's joints. Yeah, I want to get those green ones. If there's a shop out there, that has them, you know, they reach me. And um, I'm definitely stoked on Yunus uh, Amrani's essay in Free Skate Mag, uh, where he oh, talks yeah. about... That was raw, Europe. dude. That was one of the raw... He was raw. He was in raw. Yeah, Chet Childress, shame on you, man. The anti-Islamic slander, we're not, we're not about the anti-Arab slander, we're not about that, homie. Jason, what you stoked on? Well, stoked on the Venture Hard Goods Company, uh, based in San Francisco, California. Yep. Stoked on the first game of the Eastern Conference Finals between the Heat and the Celtics. If you didn't see it, the critical play of the game was one of the craziest blocks I've ever seen by uh, Bam Adebayo. Like he blocked Jason Tatum like one foot above the rim. Like his, I, I don't know how this was physically possible, but like his wrist was bent like all the way back at a 90 degree angle. I don't know how he didn't break his wrist or sprain his wrist, but that game was pretty sick. Definitely looking forward to the Eastern Conference Finals. And also stoked on um, the book, 93 Till, like a photo book by Pete Thompson. I ordered a copy. Shout out uh, the good homies over at Seasons up in Albany. Should be here in the next couple of days, so pretty stoked on that. Looking forward to it. I'm not a big coffee book, coffee table book guy, but um, this one could not be more in my wheelhouse. So stoked on that on the way. We'll, we'll report back next week, or my next uh, appearance on this podcast. Templeton, what are you stoked on this week? Uh, I'm stoked on doing a little street art. Uh, I did, I did some graffiti as a kid. I was real, real bad at it. Oh, who, who didn't? You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? Uh, uh, but, um, the crank pens. Yeah. Uh, I revived a little bit of that and went, uh, wheat pasting with my wife. She had a little, uh, street 
collage project that she was doing. So I uh, looked up how to make wheat paste and I, you know, spent 30 minutes stirring up some wheat paste in the kitchen and we, we hit the streets and uh, posted up some collages, which was a lot of fun. Um, cool, damn. You know, she she's uh, doesn't have experience doing illegal shit, so it was uh, fun to, to kind of be, be the chaperone for some um, illegal activity. And um, it was cool to get up again, bonding. you know? Mad yeah. ups, getting mad up. Yeah, so. <laughs> all city. Collages, man is all around. city. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all, all city king. He not only is he the the gift king, he's the all city king of Clackamas, Oregon, or Portland, or whatever. With it, the it'll, it'll take a few more weeks to get all city. <laughs> all city. All city. <laughs> uh, but that's it for our show this week. Be sure to check out mostlyskateboarding.net for links to the things that we talked about and other show notes. Don't forget, this is your last week to enter our giveaway for Tony Hawk's Pro Skater One and Two on PS4. Uh, all you have to do is write a review of the show on iTunes or wherever, take a screenshot of that review, share it on Instagram, tag mostly skateboarding so that we see it, and then you're entered. Um, and only Americans can do this because we can't ship it overseas because Tony Hawk um, doesn't feel like it, I guess. Um, so that's it for our show. Till next time, you can keep up with us all week online. Jason, where can the people find you? On the Twitter at Carbonite1994, on the Instagram at Frozen Carbonite, and writing stuff for Quartersnacks.com. New stuff coming soon. Working on it. Awesome. On it. Patrick, where can the people find you? Y'all can find me on Twitter at Colonel K Speaks. That's Colonel like the military rank, not the popcorn Colonel. And on Instagram at P Kigongo. I hope y'all can spell it by now. <laughs> it's phonetic. It's really easy. <laughs> It is, it is. And Templeton, where can the people find you on the Bobby, Bobby, Bobby? Digi, digi, digi. Uh, I'm on Twitter, at Mostly Skate, and on Instagram, at Mostly Skateboarding. We'll see you guys next week. Later. 5781, Shana Tova, y'all.